With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Puppies and kitties. Books and movies. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Welcome to Book Squad Goals. Uh, this week we are talking about Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. And so, in the spirit of romance, I would like to ask you guys what your favorite rom-com is. And I think the first person who should answer the question is our very special guest, Liberty. Um, oh gee, does it have to be a novel? It doesn't have to be a novel, does it? Oh no, not at all. Okay, then don't laugh at me, but my favorite romantic comedy is, um, oh my goodness, I just lost the title of it out of my head. Um, oh, no worries. It's Addicted to Love with Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan. Oh, that's a oh, good one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm old. I have like, <laughs> I don't think I I've seen that all one. about that it's movie. Like, Meg Ryan went dark. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's kind of like a dark dark romantic comedy it's not i mean it's about two people stalking two other people so obviously n- terrible but like i, I kind of want to watch I loved it. it yeah i've always loved that it. sounds great and before everyone else answers the question liberty can you tell us a little bit about yourself sure i am a senior contributing editor at book riot i've been doing that for many years um i am a judge at book of the month and that's about it i like to read a little bit Awesome. I have some cats. That is, I got a couple of cats. And I cats. think we have some some connections happening here because I believe you are actually the bibliologist for Mary. Yes. On TBR. Oh, awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm sure. Which I just think is kind of funny because you guys have been communicating like, uh, you know, not directly for a while now. And now you're meeting. Wow. So. That's cool. I also follow you on Instagram, and I'm obsessed with your yes. cats. Yes. Liberty, can you tell Thank us a little you. bit about your cats? Because you might not know this, but we're actually a pet podcast as well. Sometimes we just talk about our pets. <laughs> no, I could talk about my pets for hours. Um, I have I have three cats. Uh, I have an older calico named Malay. She's named after Edna St. Vincent Malay because, yes. you know, I'm in Maine and Edna's from Maine. And she's Aww. lovely. And then I ruined her life by getting kittens eight, six. They're eight months old now, so six months ago. 
Um, I have two orange uh, tiger boys, and they are hilarious and enormous. Aww. They're enormous. I'm not entirely certain that they're not actually dogs in kitten <laughs> costumes because they play fetch <laughs> and they cuddle and they call for you, and they're just they're Aww. just the sweetest. Like I don't know how I ended up with cats like this. I've never had cats this friendly before, and to have two of them is amazing. Yes. So their so their names are Farouk after Freddie Mercury because that was his first name, mm-hmm. and uh, Zevon after Warren Zevon, who is one of my very favorite musicians. So, and I'm gonna go follow That's you so right cute. now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can see them on Instagram. My handle is actually Franzen Comes Alive. So, yes. um, lots of we will be posting. Please a picture follow of your me back. This is Susan. If you want to see um, a dog in a cute dog cat, or a cat in a dog suit, because. I have one of those. We have the opposite <laughs> thing going. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm, I have. I like it. It's so funny. Mary's favorite dog. Some sort of Mabel. Mabel. Yeah. Mabel's being a real bitch tonight, you guys, oh. but in a cute way. I know. <laughs> uh, Susan, do you want to go next since you, you're talking about Mabel? Since you're already talking. Since you're already sure. talking. I would love to. <laughs> Is 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 your favorite weekend at Bernie? Oh my god, that's not a rom com. You can't Says use it. Who? Okay, whatever, <laughs> fine. No, I had a different one in mind. But now that you brought that up, there is a romance in Weekend at Bernie's, so I, we could one could argue for it. But um, no. Uh, oh, um, it's about time. Oh is mine my god! Uh, Cry. Not oh. it's about time. It is. The, the answer is the movie about. Is yeah, yeah. About. Called. I know what it's called. Cry. With Rachel McAdams no, 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 no. and Domhnall Gleeson. And Margot Robbie I, in a very tiny role. Huh. Yeah. Um, I just... Rachel McAdams, that's my cousin. Did you guys know that? No, that's not true. <laughs> no. Missy yeah, Elliott's my cousin. True. We have the same last name. It's funny. I have to always make that joke. Okay, continue. Um, yeah, I just think that movie is super delightful. Like, I really, really love it. And I've... I forced Justin to watch it because I was like, he, you know, he's like, I don't really like romantic comedies. I'm like, this one's different. Um, <laughs> You're going like, like this it one. It wasn't that different. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I hated that. And then I murdered him. So. And now she's no longer getting married. <laughs> no, but I really do think it's like just very delightful and sweet. And I think Rachel McAdams is great. I think Donald Gleason is really great in it. And, um, as a side note, I also have a soft spot for all of the Bridget Jones movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Mm. Including this last one, which was actually pretty bad, but I still... Oh, wow, I did not see that one. I still kind of dig it. Bridget Jones' Baby? Mm-mm. Yep. Can't say I caught that one. <laughs> I remember it coming out. I went and saw it by myself. Because um, I was like, no one's coming with me. Let's be serious. Alright, this is Emily. I'll go <laughs> next. Um, I'm going to say... My favorite rom-com is Groundhog Day. A non-traditional it's a choice. Romance. Stretching the genre a bit. But no, okay. it's a romance. Because yeah. <laughs> so is Weekend at Bernie's then, but okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm fine with that. But, I mean, without giving too much away. I guess at this point, if you haven't seen Groundhog Day, I don't know. It's kind of late for you. But I guess, you know, at the end of the day, he can't move on with his life until he is able to win the heart of the girl so that's true to me it's a romance yeah and also it's got bill murray and like everything with bill murray is my favorite and if you don't know that now you know yeah maybe the people who haven't seen groundhog day Uh, haven't seen it over and over 
That's true. Maybe you have seen it and you just don't remember. <laughs> and you're just doomed to watch it over and over again. So Whenever I tell people that my birthday is Groundhog Day, that's the first thing they ask me. So you hate that movie? No, I like it. I just am tired of saying, like, yeah, of course I've seen it. Uh, this is Mary. Hi, Mary. I saw this question in the document earlier and have been legitimately stressing about it all night. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to have the stressed point you out. Where I was, I was just walking around the house saying, like, have I ever seen a romantic comedy? Mary. Yes. What's a romantic comedy? Have you ever and- seen a movie with Reese Witherspoon or Meg Ryan? Or then you've seen a romantic comedy. Uh, I actually, I don't, there's a lot of, like, old classic movies, like Audrey Hepburn movies that I like a lot, but I'm going to say a more, those definitely count, but I think, like, a more recent choice that I really enjoyed was The Big Sick. Ooh, nice choice. Um, Very romantic in sort of, like, a non-conventional way and very funny and... I just thought it was a really great film. So I cried in that movie too. I'm sensitive. I cried in that as well. I cry a lot, y'all. That's the theme. Um, so finally, last and probably least, it's me, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my favorite romantic comedy, which is kind of like it's hard to say because I haven't actually seen it in a really long time, but I've been saying this as my answer to this question for so long that it's like I'm almost afraid to watch it again because I'm like, what if it doesn't live up to the way that I feel about it? But it's Serendipity starring <sighs> John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. Um, yep. I fucking love that movie. I have ever I've since I was a kid and I saw it for the first time. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a sweet movie uh, that is about fate, basically, which is something that I sometimes believe in and sometimes don't. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're we're talking about romantic comedies because, uh, and I guess I'll just say now, spoiler warning, um, this book is a romance, mostly. Well, it's a lot of things, but it's a romance. <laughs> and also, just overall spoiler warning, blanket spoiler warning, uh, if you haven't read the book, we're going to spoil it. So, you know, if you don't want to know stuff that happens in it, pause, go read it, and come back. Anyway... Uh, I'm going to start with our customary um, opening, which is to read the Goodreads summary, which is as follows. Yeah. In a small town in Maine, recently widowed... Okay, wait, I have a question. Is it Eveleth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eveleth, Evie, Drake, rarely leaves her house. Everyone in town, including her best friend Andy, thinks grief keeps her locked inside and she doesn't correct them. In New York, Dean Tenney, former major league pitcher and Andy's childhood friend, is struggling with a case of the yips. He can't throw straight anymore, and he can't figure out why. An invitation from Andy to stay in Maine for a few months seems like the perfect chance to hit the reset button. When Dean moves into an apartment at the back of Evie's house, the two make a deal. Dean won't ask Evie's late husband, won't ask about Evie's late husband, and Evie won't ask about Dean's baseball career. Rules, though, have a funny way of being broken, and what starts as an unexpected friendship soon turns into something more. But before they can find out what might lie ahead, they'll have to wrestle a few demons. The bonds they've broken, the plans they've changed, and the secrets they've kept. They'll need a lot of help, but in life, as in baseball, there's always a chance right up until the last out. Yay! Yeah, that's a good description. Pretty good. Sometimes Goodreads is kind of hit or miss. (laughs) Kinda. (laughs) Yeah, like, mostly miss. Um, but we love Goodreads over here. Yes. 
Okay, so I have some discussion topics. So I want to start this off by talking a little bit about um, Linda Holmes. She is the author. And uh, she is also the host of the podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour, um, which I am a huge fan of. And I know a couple other people here probably Mm -hmm. listen to also. Um, It's an NPR podcast. And it is exactly what it sounds like where every week Mm – there is a discussion of some yeah. pop culture related thing. And I actually, you know, cite that as like a an inspiration for our podcast often because, you know, it's like pals talking about pop culture. Of course, they're like professional journalists and stuff, but you know, we don't we don't um speak for yourself. <laughs> some of us are professional. That's true. I am speaking for myself. Oh. I'm over here like trying to drink ginger ale as quietly as possible. <laughs> Very profesh. I yeah, didn't hear the ginger ale. I know, because she's professional. And I'm doing it with my Invisalign trays in, which is against the rules. <laughs> Emily and Liberty both write for money. That's true. They both write for so. Book Riot, which is discussing books. Is that is that the definition of professional, if you get money for it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I only write for fame. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I want to talk about like how pop culture fits into <laughs> this book. Because... I think um, writers often avoid mentioning specific pieces of pop culture in an effort to keep their work timeless, but this novel swings in the opposite direction, and the conversations and thoughts of our main characters are filled with direct references to the media they consume. Much like in our actual lives in this day and age, pop culture serves as a point of connection. Um, so how did you guys feel about the specificity of the pop culture in this novel, and how do you think its use contributes to the story overall? I have really strong feelings about this, actually. Just in general, in books. Then you go first. And, go for it. And it, just generally in books, I appreciate specific pop culture references because I think that's how people actually talk. We don't talk in generalizations. We talk about specifics. We don't say, I'm going to a restaurant. We say, I'm going to Shoney's. <laughs> I don't know why Shoney's was what came out of right. my that's mouth. That's a real specific <laughs> early 90s pop culture reference. <laughs> Is that still around? Exactly. As soon as I said that, you were like, that puts me in a place, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my hometown yes. in the 90s. <laughs> That's where my grandfather used to take me for a treat <laughs> to Shoney's. Um, but to me, it reads more realistic when people are making pop culture references because. We, that's how we kind of connect to each other a lot. Maybe that's just me because I'm like a pop culture junkie. Um, and I also listen to pop culture happy hour. Um, but, uh, yes. I don't know. It's just to me that that adds a bit of realism to it that I kind of miss when it's not there. Yeah. I, I agree. I, yeah. I think that like each genre of literature has different criteria for like what's going to ground you in that world. So if I'm reading a fantasy novel, I obviously don't expect for the characters to be thinking about pop culture. (laughs) You know, I I expect them to be thinking about specific details to that world, but in a realistic world, it's inevitable that the characters are going to interact with pop culture. And I think that those specific details, like you said, Emily, give it a really, clear setting like it's not just in the present and it's not just in america like it's in maine and it's um 
like a specific type of character. Like I loved, I think, I think Linda Holmes does a good job because she is so in tune with uh, what's going on, like media wise. She does a good job about making it specific, real things sometimes, most of the time, and then making it sort of made up things some other times. Like I'm thinking about the uh, show that Evie watches the halls of power yeah (laughs) like it's clearly sort of a courtroom procedural that is familiar but it's not a specific real show as far as i know um but there are so many other good details like it does feel like a, a real place and i felt really grounded in the world because of those references and i liked it yeah I liked it too, and I think it really also uh, makes the dialogue feel super realistic. Because um, I think the way that they and like not, or like Emily was saying, uh, you know, this is how we connect to each other. And I think the way that their conversations sort of move through references and like the way friends talk, where they just like bring up some TV show that they both have seen or some, you know, whatever, just to like relate to each other and. Uh, it's it's rare, I feel like, when I'm reading a book that the conversations feel organic in that way, and here they did to me. Um, and I think that that was a huge part of why those worked. Yeah. I really kind of didn't notice it that much, which I think is a good thing, because that means it does feel natural. Yes. <laughs> um, or it's because an absolutely remarkable thing, like, has numbed me <laughs> to it. Um <laughs> But, like, the way that news spreads about a famous person in this felt exactly how it would happen. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this girl at the school tweeted it, and then her cousin retweeted it, and then, like, his coach retweeted it. And um, that all felt real and, like, believable. And, like, that's how it would go. And that's how we get mm-hmm. news a lot of the time. Um, and also they talked about podcasts, which to me is like the most natural thing in the world. Cause it's all I talk about too. <laughs> so Yes. And I never, I don't know the, like if I've ever read a book where podcasts were mentioned this frequently and it was great. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. And there were definitely lots of little like NPR mm-hmm. uh, mentions too, which I thought was funny. Um, but I guess, uh, Another thing just about pop culture in general is, like, I think I was noticing different, you know, shows and movies that – or thinking of, of shows and movies that reminded me of – or that the book was reminding me of. Like, specifically, I kept thinking about Gilmore Girls, mm. um, this, like, small town, like, northeast, like, cozy, you know, romantic. Um, and I don't know. It was, like – reading this book felt comforting in the way that a lot of pop culture comfort food, such as Gilmore girls often feels. Um, and I think that you can tell that, that if you didn't know who Linda Holmes was like reading this, you would, you would know that she has watched like a lot of movies and read a lot of books and watched a lot of TV that like informed the way that this story kind of plays out without directly ripping anything off. You know, I've never seen Gilmore girls. Me neither. That is, like, so shocking to me. Liberty, have you seen Gilmore Girls? Uh, I watched a couple episodes, but 
I wasn't into it. Yeah, so. I feel like that ship it's has okay. sailed for me. Like, if yeah, I was going to watch Gilmore Girls, that time has come and gone. I don't know. It's of a time. It is. It certainly uh, is. I, when I was in high school, my stepmom watched it, and every day after school, we would watch an episode together and have coffee. Yeah. I watched it with my mom, too. It's a very, oh. it's like a mother-daughter Yeah. Show. Oh, that's what it is. You have to have a good relationship with your yeah. mom. Yeah. That was the problem I had with it. Yeah. Aw. Well. So, mm, yeah. My mom and I just are not the types that, like, sit together and watch Ellie <laughs> together after school, I guess. I don't know. No, I mean, this was 100% my stepmom and not my real mom who, like, forced me to watch Secretary. Be like, <laughs> man, that's more my speed, I think. I love that movie. What is Secretary? It's a great movie. It's like a sort of like a BDSM <laughs> movie about this girl who works for a guy. You know what? I did watch that with my mom. Wow. Yeah. Patterns emerge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a in mother a difficult mother relationship in this book too. So Oh, I see. I see what you're doing here, Kelly. It all relates and right, spin it back we into the book. Do it. Get back into the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> as if we don't constantly go off topic on this show all the time. Um Okay, so Back to pop culture types of things. You're doing great. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, romance. <laughs> Although this book includes themes of friendship, family, and grief, the center of the story is definitely the romance between Evie and Dean. And I want to know how this worked for you guys just as a romance, plain and simple. I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it seemed very natural. I thought it was very mature. I feel like I've read a lot of like romantic comedy books recently where while I've found them entertaining, the main characters are kind of immature and they Mm -hmm. act ridiculous because a lot of most romances are like you have to have like two characters who meet, they fall in love. There's like something that comes between them. And then in the end, they have to like get together again. And it seems like a lot of the conflict is forced. They just make them have ridiculous arguments or whatever to just get, like, we just need to get to the next part where they get back together. (laughs) And this didn't feel like that at all. Like, this felt, like, very adult and just, like, very respectful and sexy and just... I really, really enjoyed it. Do you, so do you read a lot of romance? Not a lot. I try to read a little bit of everything all the time for the show. So Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't read a lot, but this is definitely... I don't know. Like, if you would ask me if you said, did you... Is that a romance? I don't know that I would say that it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she calls it a romance. Everybody else calls it a romance. So, yeah. you know, it has a, a romance, so it could be, and that's fine. Yeah. I really... I, like, worry that that term, like, turns people off from reading it. Right. Right. And that makes me sad because it's... Yeah, I think that... Yeah. Well, I find that, generally speaking, when things are labeled as a genre, I'm less likely to just pick it up than if I, like, just read what the book is about. Yeah. Um, Like, if I say, like, oh, this is a sci-fi book. Not that I don't like sci-fi, but I might be like, oh, well, it's a genre book. I don't really feel like reading that right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I just, like, look at the premise, I'm more likely to pick it up. So I feel like, I know genre is, like, to help sell books or whatever, but I think a lot of times it uh, oversimplifies what's going on. Because there's a lot going on in this book 
aside from the romance. I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, I think towards the end of the novel, it starts being more about the romance, perhaps. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot that's going on to get them there. And I think I really like Liberty that you talked about the maturity, because I think one of the issues I have with romance novels a lot is that the main conflict seems to be, um, there's some sort of like insecurity or miscommunication that's keeping them apart. Or like the guy isn't Mm -hmm. ready to commit or something like that. And yeah, all that stuff does seem really immature now that I think about it. And maybe that's why I have a problem with a lot of romance novels. I think the term is just a lot. It's a lot to hang up on. Yeah, I think on. the term romance, yeah. when it's referring to novels, really conjures up a specific type of, type book, of book that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Harlequin. Um, yeah. like the kind that, yeah, that like those like short, thick <laughs> paperbacks. <laughs> um, but where, and not that there's anything wrong with those either, but I think what that makes people think of is like a story where everything that happens exists to facilitate the romance or the sex part of it where this isn't like that like there is yeah other stuff happening that is not just existing to like push these two people together um yeah Uh well go ahead oh sorry oh no it's okay (laughs) I was gonna say um that I wanted to echo the maturity thing too I hadn't really thought about it but um I did like and maybe and this is like something that I've like realized dating like in my you know, thirties, like post marriage that people are so much more aware of like what they need and don't need and like what their own baggage is and how to deal with that and talk about it. And so this felt like refreshing <laughs> to me in that way. Yeah. Um, cause it is a different, it is a different kind of approach, I guess, to a romance at the point in the life and in their lives that Evie and Dean are at right now. Yes. And just speaking of, of calling it a romance, um, there was a tweet from Linda Holmes a couple weeks ago um, where she said, somebody asked me recently whether it bothered me to have people call Evie Drake a romance. I was like, mm, definitionally it is one. And also I read romance and also romance readers help keep publishing and book selling afloat. And also romance authors are awesome. So no. <laughs> <laughs> and... Like, I think it's, I think she's, she's said multiple times, you know, this book is, is about a lot of things, but like, it is a romance. And I think, you know, people, another thing that turns people off about romance is that it is often geared towards women. And as we've talked about many times on this podcast, um, when a genre or any kind of thing is geared towards women, suddenly we take it less seriously. Suddenly, you know, it's not, it's well, like rom to want to read. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, guys love to be like, I hate rom-coms. Or they love to be like, I love rom-coms. And they're trying to, like, get you to fuck Mostly the notebook. (laughs) So. (laughs) Guys think that all girls love the notebook. And that that's going to get us. That's inaccurate. Because I. And obviously not all men, y'all. I'm sorry. Hashtag not all men. But also, like, the notebook isn't even a rom-com. It's just, like. Yeah, there's no com. (laughs) A tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not the saddest funny. shit ever. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, like, I, I just want to echo everyone's sentiments and say that, like, this really worked for me as a romance. And I, I don't read a lot of romance at all, I'll say, just because, you know, it's not that I'm not interested, but I just, like, haven't picked one up, you know? And, um, 
I used to read a lot of romance when I was younger, when I, especially like reading YA romance mm. and stuff. I was so, it was like the only thing I wanted to read about when I was a teenager. I was like, if there's not a romance plot in this book, why am I reading it? You know? <laughs> and <laughs> I, you know, have sort, I sort of like grew out of feeling like that was the thing that I really wanted to read about. But like, there is something kind of like, like fantastical about reading a romance where like stuff works out and, like you have like two people who are really into each other and like you're reading about this character who is seems very sexy and you're like, Ooh, like I, I'm like rooting for this couple. And I was, I was really rooting for them to bang like way sooner than they actually bang. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, I felt it had a good buildup. It was, it was like, uh, Liberty was saying really natural. It didn't feel rushed. And like, because these two characters were so like, formed and fleshed out as separate people it was like it didn't feel like the you know into like their entire personalities were based on like how they could fit together as a couple you know yeah i i totally agree and i i guess you know like i've read a lot of ya romance i guess you could say because that's what i i study young adult lit and so like read a lot of it and it does get tiring <laughs> sometimes because it is sort <laughs> yeah. of immature understandably so because you know like I'm a 30 year old reading about actual teenagers <laughs> right but I think the key for me and you guys know like I am notoriously sort of like oh my gosh there was a sex scene <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm notoriously sp- you know suspicious <laughs> Of yes. sexy stuff in books. I was super into Evie Drake. Uh, like, I thought it was... I was like, there is consent? <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, discussed consent, too. Like, it is, like... <laughs> I feel like no one ever, like, talks Gets about her, it. Before. her own hotel room, you know? Doesn't yeah. I Like, that was the hottest thing to me. I was, I was like, oh my gosh. He got her her own hotel room. You know they're gonna have sex. But there's something, like, very sexy about that, like, anticipation and consideration. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, for me, it really works as a romance. And, like, yes, of course there's other stuff going on, too. But, like, as we've talked about so many times in the past, uh, like, we shouldn't be scared to label something, uh, you know, like, quote-unquote genre fiction. It's, like, this can be a romance and be really great. It, yeah. you know, like, a genre is not necessarily, like, the kiss of right. death or anything. I will say, though, I have to <laughs> yeah. note this, because I mentioned it earlier in our group text, that I was saying I was a little annoyed <laughs> toward the end of this, because I was feeling like things were <laughs> getting a little too predictable, and I was like, I hope it changes. And one thing that really did change for me, which made me happy, was that when they came back together, there was, like, an explicit discussion of, like, you could stay here and I could stay where I am and we would both be fine. Like, we are, like, okay yeah. on our own people. And, like, we're coming back together knowing fully that we are, like, whole and complete people and we've worked on our own stuff. But, like, we are choosing to do this together because we are in love. And I just was, like... That's nice. Right. It wasn't just like, oh my god, I like missed him so much, and like I'm just gonna ignore all of my own mm-hmm. fucking problems, and so is he, and like we're gonna fuck yeah. forever, and it's gonna be awesome. 
Which, like, maybe it would. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the difference between, like, needing to be with someone and yeah. wanting and to I be really, with someone. I liked that a lot. So my annoyance subsided some. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there were a couple of places in this where if it was a different author, it would have been mm-hmm. predictable. If you would have known what was going on. Like, I feel like um, if someone else was writing this, Dean would have been able to pitch yes. at the end of the book. Exactly. She would have been his, his you know, uh, his cure. And I also, I started to get a little nervous towards the end because if this was written by somebody else, Dean would have bought her uh, house. Because she was like, I can't stay in the house. I can't afford it. And I just kept I like, had that same thought. I was like, buy the house. Because that's around the time I started to be like, I feel like I'm kind of like seeing what's going to happen, but I'm glad that I didn't. <laughs> see it correctly because yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I think it is such a cliche in romances for two broken people to come together and fix each other, and I think that like what this uh, book really subverts about that is that two kind of broken people come together, realize that they're broken, split apart work on themselves and then come back together, which is like what Susan was saying. Like we have worked on our stuff and we're making a decision and um, it's not about fixing someone and it's not about being what someone needs or, you know, you know, like Evie was so convinced that, you know, she was going to be the reason why he was going to be able to pitch again. And they had a conversation about that. And he was like, that's, is that what you thought? And she, you know, kind of admitted to herself, like, yeah, I guess I did think that. And, and it's like it's something that we as human beings think a lot mm-hmm. when we get into relationships with a person who you know is not like functioning in some way, and we think like, well, I can I can <laughs> fix functioning. it yeah, to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like you know, I can be the person who changes this. Well, and, and then, she tries to go know, to the therapist to try to like figure out how to fix him and stuff, and the therapist is like, why don't right. we talk about your problems? Yeah. Which was also great, like, yeah. you know, and having her go back to the therapist at the end of the book and be like, I'm ready to try this, which, you know, mm-hmm. she should have been the whole time, obviously, but not everyone can. Love a good story about someone turning to therapy, like, <laughs> that's... Yeah. Well, so speaking of therapy, um, another big theme in this book is grief and guilt associated with grief. And I was really interested in Evie's situation because she was dealing with a different kind of grief that I'm used to reading about. Um, She feels extremely guilty because her husband died and as she was about to leave him, or died as she was about to leave him, and keeping that secret to herself alone, plus the truth about what her husband Tim was really like, caused her to isolate herself completely. And at one point, Dean asks her if anyone really knows her at all. Uh, so what do we think of this portrayal of loss and the way Evie comes to terms with her guilt over the course uh, of the story? I, I'll say this is such an incredibly, I mean, this is what I, I have kept, I've kept telling people like this book is super good, but it's really not what you're expecting. Like, it's not just a chill, everything's great romance. Yeah. There's it's not a quite a of, beach read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's, I mean, it is an easy read in that it's like a pleasure to read, but there's a lot of sort of heavy themes going on. And the heaviest to me is, is this, uh, you know, part of the plot with Evie feeling guilty because her husband was a jerk to her and she didn't love him anymore. And she was leaving him as, as he died. And 
I kept trying to think to myself, how could you tell people that? Because, yeah, you, you know, like a huge, a huge moment in the book is Evie after after her best friend Andy, um, you know, sort of figures it out. Evie confesses that she was leaving her husband Tim when she got the phone call that he had died in a car accident or was in a car accident, and. I, you know, Andy's understandably angry that she never told him, but I don't know how you tell someone that because everyone's expecting you to act a certain way and grieve in a certain way. And if you weren't feeling that, like having to pretend would just take such a toll on your mental health, you know? Right. And with the way that, I mean, anytime someone dies, there is especially by people who don't know them that well, mm-hmm. a lot of like romanticizing what that person was like always. Yes. Um, so there's no way she can really tell the truth. It seems like this guy was romanticized anyway, just within the community. Cause he was like big fish in a yeah. little pond. Exactly. So it's like yeah. double. <laughs> so if she says anything, then like, she's like, people are going to see her as some bitch who didn't really care that her husband died. Which is unfair. And, that's but, the, you know, sort of the reality of it. Yeah. And it's, I was actually more, probably more interested in this, this whole part of the, of the novel than anything else, because it's, I just can't imagine like all of the conflicting emotions you would feel and like how you would deal with that it probably looks a lot like grief because you're just stuck yeah. a little. Mm-hmm. You can't really tell anyone, like, it says in this question, like, Dean asks if anyone really knows her, and it's like, not really, probably anymore. Yeah. And she talks about how... And she doesn't really know herself, totally. It's, yeah. Yeah. And she talks about how she doesn't really have any friends other than Andy, like, she doesn't have any girlfriends, because, you know, Tim kind of almost forced her to isolate herself, because he would get jealous when she would go out with her friends and he was like, I only want to have couple friends and uh, like all this stuff. And then when, you know, and so I guess Andy and his wife were their couple friends. And then when he got divorced, you know, Tim was like, well, you can be friends with Andy, but you're not allowed to talk about our marriage with him. And so she just like had no one to turn to. And, you know, I think she, like, I'm sure she felt a, like an obligation to, to keep seeming like things were great you know, with her dad because she didn't want to worry him and like she really had nowhere to turn. And it's just like, it's kind of devastating to read those first couple of pages where she has this, like, you don't even know her yet, but like, you can tell that she like has this moment of freedom where she's like, I'm going to do this thing that I've been thinking about for so long. And then like in a second, like that whole feeling is gone because yeah, she's you, just trapped in a different way by a yeah. different thing. Yeah. I also, I really enjoyed, like, seeing her come to terms with what her husband was really like. Like, uh, she knows, obviously, but, like, in the end, when Monica says to her, like, yeah, that's, like, pretty emotionally abusive. And she's like, oh, wow, I've just, like, never heard it, like, Mm -hmm. said that way. Or it's never been, you know, a diagnosis that I could just say, like, this was what the problem was. And that is what emotionally abusive relationships are like. Like you really kind of don't see that stuff until. And I think too, I mean, 
later. Having, having been in an emotionally abusive relationship, I think we don't talk about it enough. Um, and so it's hard to identify it when you're in it, especially because part of being in an emotionally abusive relationship is being gaslighted constantly. Um, so even if you do think right. like, hmm, maybe this isn't right, your partner is constantly telling you that you're the one who is overreacting or misconstruing things. Um, especially, especially when the rest yeah, of and the you world don't tell people sees about your partner as those. this great person, you think like, what is it about me that I don't see that, you know? Right. Um, and I think we mm-hmm. see that right. in her. And that's why your friends don't know about it. Cause you don't want to say to them, like, we've gotten this, another big fight and it's like my fault. I did this stupid thing again. Yeah. It's easier to forget about it and move on. And I, I just, I, it was nice to like read about sort of a realistic situation like that. And then like seeing her kind of come to terms with that. Yeah. I just appreciated that it was there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, on the other side of Evie's loss of her husband is Dean's, which is obviously a very different kind of loss, though it still has a profound effect on his mental state. He feels like a failure and a disappointment because he can no longer pitch the way he used to, but he also hasn't quite given up on the dream of a comeback. And the novel builds towards a second chance, and we mentioned this earlier, that while it does that, it doesn't actually play out in the traditional way a story like this might in a neatly packaged rom-com. So we talked about this a little, but just, you know, to kind of expand on how we feel about Dean's trajectory and like how things end up for him. When it was building towards the second chance, this was around the time that I was saying like, oh, this feels super predictable because I was pretty sure that's what was going to happen and it was going to be like, Evie fixed him and fixed her. I'm really glad that it didn't. (laughs) Um, I didn't think when I... When we first met Dean, that I was really going to care about the baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like I like sports, so it's not like, oh, sports. <laughs> like, I do care about this. That's how I am. Ew, sports. Blah. I played a sport in college. You'd never know it now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think – I'm just – I guess the only – thing I can say is that I cared more about what happened to him than I initially thought I would given what his problem was because it sounds compared to like what's going on with Evie like not as big of a deal but you don't Mm -hmm. realize like how much of someone's life this actually is at first so yeah I just uh, it made me care about (laughs) a thing I didn't think I would care about I went to see uh, Linda Holmes speak oh man so jealous I went humble brag. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I saw you tweet about that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was there was a party after, and she was talking about some stuff, and she was saying that the thing that fascinated her the most um, about that she really wanted to get into the book was that there's no reason for the yips. They've found like no physical cause for it. They've found like they can't really figure out why it happens, and she just finds mm-hmm. that so interesting. That just like just like that it's gone. You can't pitch anymore. And people, most people don't ever recover it, which is like not something that I knew if I had known that going into the book, like if I had heard about them before, I might've been like, Oh, he's not going to get it back. But I didn't, but she just, she just said that she really loved this idea that like, there's no explanation Mm -hmm. for it. Um, And so, you know, and, and it is a big deal. Like it sounds like you were saying, it's, it's a good point. Like you feel more for, for Evie because it's like, here's this horrible thing that's happened to her. And she's been living this life that she's been being gaslighted and, you know, it's terrible, but like, 
here's this guy whose like whole life is built around this one thing that he can do that he can no longer do anymore. And it's like, oh yeah, that's a wicked bummer yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked, that's a word that we say here in Maine. Which she didn't use she didn't use that word in the book. I was like, come on now. I know. <laughs> Nor did they say park the car at any point. No. <laughs> I I mean, I think you could argue that both Dean and Evie are experiencing complicated grief in very different ways. So, I mean, Evie obviously is dealing with, like, feeling guilty about her husband's death and how she feels about that. But Dean is sort of mourning the loss of his career. I mean, he, what is he going to do after just sort of being, uh, I don't want to say forced out, but, like, after just losing his ability to pitch and having to retire so early, What's he going to do now? Like he has to change the entire course of his life and he has to come to terms that this chapter in his life is over. Just like Evie has to come to terms with, you know, a terrible chapter in her life being over. And both of them have to off open themselves up to like new possibility um, outside of what, you know, what their lives used to look like. And it's, I don't know, it was just, it was really great, and I also loved, I loved the scene in the book when Dean is having dinner with his parents, and he's trying to process, you know, like, his relationship with Evie, and his new career sort of, like, helping small baseball teams in, like, by coaching them, and he tells, his parents I don't know if I'm not going to explain this well, but Dean tells his parents that Evie was like forcing him to try to get his pitching arm back and trying to push him and push him. And he just couldn't take it. He couldn't take all the badgering and his parents bring up when he was a kid and he, he wanted to go to baseball camp and they were like, you know, you acted like we badgered you into that. (laughs) But actually, you wanted to do it, and you kept leaving hints. And, yeah, I don't know, like, I just think, I bring that example up because I just think, like, having something traumatic like that happen to you, like, just your whole life plan is thrown out the window, it's going to mess with your head significantly. And I love that Dean has to be reminded by his old sweet parents... (laughs) (laughs) that like part of his problems in relationships is himself like he's a factor too yeah that was like a wild tangent for me just to say like i thought that scene was really funny (laughs) no i loved that part too i totally was thinking of that um also and just like like having a realization about yourself when you're blaming other people for Something. It's such a great epiphany moment for Dean. I keep yeah. I keep just thinking of scenes in this book where I just felt like I mean, I I do think this novel is sort of a comfort novel in a way. Not because, you know, I think like you said Liberty, if anyone but Linda Holmes had written this, it would have been super predictable and like the house would have got bought in the end and it would have been like everything's happy. And the end of this isn't necessarily everything's going to be perfect forever. But it is, like, this sense of happiness that is very comforting. It does have a happy ending. 
in a way that I yeah, really like. It's like, like things don't wrap up obviously neatly because like at the it's it's not happily ever after at the end of the book it's like this is where we are now and it's going to keep going like after we finish reading right it's like a continuing um, conversation of what are we doing in our lives instead of just like this is it forever and ever the yeah. end which i think is much more of like a realistic romance and good for people to read Heck yeah well, and, like, thank goodness it didn't end on, I mean, we get a wedding at the end, but it's not Evie's, which is great. <laughs> like, I'm really happy we didn't, like, flash forward and have Evie's wedding. I, I mean, also, like, sidebar, so like the end of the novel, the wedding is Andy and his girlfriend, Monica. And we see Monica at the beginning of the novel as, like, this new girlfriend <laughs> who... Evie doesn't like because she's taking time away from her and Andy and she feels like she's sort of losing her friend because he has this new girlfriend. And I love that over the course of the novel, Evie and Monica become super great friends. And like, I really liked Monica. Well, and also one of my issues with the novel at the beginning is like, I was a little upset that Evie didn't really have any women to talk to that she felt close right. to, so like that to me is it was an important development because I don't know. For a while, I was just worried. Like at the beginning, I was very wary of the fact that like all of her close relationships were with men, and I was like, you know, like because she's close with her dad, and her best friend's a dude, and she's she, she right. and the, like not that there's anything wrong with like having close relationships with men. I don't hate men. I swear to God, but like <laughs> I also think you know, representing healthy female friendships is important. And I didn't want to read about a main character who seemed to define herself simply by like the men in her life. So that was an important development for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, and that's, I love that that's explained in that Tim was really controlling and didn't want her to have a lot of individual friends. I'm imagining like all the couple friends were selected by Tim. Oh yeah, and you know people Probably. who would side with him because you can you can see like Evie doesn't seem like the type of person who's like I don't get along with women. Right. I only hang out with men. Like she doesn't have that kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Which thank goodness. So I was glad. <laughs> I would talk to read. <laughs> yeah, I was. I really liked. Yeah, it Monica. Would. Speaking of like mature portrayals, I, I feel like easily Monica could have been jealous of the situation that was going on but she was like really really empathetic with Evie like about how much time you know she was losing with Andy and like her efforts to be friends with her did not seem forced and like when Evie has that outburst that's like really kind of awful Mm -hmm. (laughs) like she is so sweet to her about it like I'm just, I'm glad she, like, found a good friend, and it was just a really, like, mature portrayal of, like, the new girlfriend. Yeah. And I yes. liked that. Everyone yeah. just needs to be at least 30 years old, and then it seems like things are easier, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. We've been watching too much Bachelorette. <laughs> we really have. It's like <laughs> watching that 24-year-old try to, like, get into, like, try to explain her own feelings about a super toxic person. Like, this is very refreshing. It's just like, Yeah. You can just talk about these things openly, and uh, it helps a lot. 
<laughs> Dating shows yes. are ruling my life right now, guys. In between Bachelorette, Love Island, Are You the One? I just like it's my brain is just fried. It's just a French fry right now. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and yet, I'm going to keep doing it. So there you go. I mean, it's a valid choice. Thank you. It's it summertime. Joy. These are my summertime choices. Yes. <laughs> you guys, I think I like this book more now that we've talked about it. Yeah. Aww. I'm glad. Because I do think, I think it's easy to 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 read it and then, because it is such like an easy read and it, you know, it goes quick. Like I honestly read this book, like I kind of, we got a late start on it because it, um, I mean, other than Liberty, I think, uh, it came out like, you know, last week and I started reading it like a couple days ago and I finished it really quickly because it was like such a, I don't know, like a, a fast and easy read, but it didn't lack depth at all. Um, and I think it's hard sometimes to accomplish that. Uh, and I'm, yes, I'm really impressed with it. And I'm happy because, you know, like when I, you know, heard that, cause I know that like Linda Holmes has been writing this book for a very long time, like 10 years or something. And, yes. uh, and she would talk about it on the podcast every once in a while. And she'd be like, I'm going to, you know, get back to work on my book. And then, like, it was finally coming out, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to read it, but I'm also scared because here is, like, a person who I really, like, admire and love, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I really want to, like, love her book as much as I love, you know, the rest of the stuff she does. And I feel like it's very much her, and I am really, like, happy that it got out into the world and that we got to read it. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I love it. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. Do you guys have any other, like, comments, thoughts about it before we give our ratings? I think uh, she did an amazing job portraying emotional abuse, which is not discussed often enough in novels. I think it was amazing how she had two characters who were on the opposite ends of the spectrum experiencing trauma and grief. Like, here's this one person who literally cannot tell anyone else what she's going through. Yes. And on the opposite end, you have Dean, who is going through something horrible, and the whole world is watching and mocking him. And making fun of him. I think that, you know, she did an amazing job showing that women can be friends. That women can be friends with their friends' girlfriends. That women and men can be friends without any romance or sex. And I also enjoyed that she did not tell you what Evie looked like. Yeah. Yeah. She she has curly hair. We do know that. She has curly hair. She likes to wear sweaters. But that's about it. Like, she, like you just get to think whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't notice until it was done. Yeah. But we do hear how hot Dean is a lot. And that's, and I just realized like, oh yeah, there is some focus on how hot Dean is, but we did not talk about how hot Evie is. I assume she is though. In my head, she's pretty hot. Well, I liked that the one descriptor we got of her was towards the beginning when Andy was describing her to Dean and he was like, she looks like your sister. Well, not your sister, but like someone's sister. Like, like everyone's yeah. <laughs> so I got this idea of someone who just looks like approachable. Someone you could be yeah. close to, you know? Approachable. Isn't there like a Tumblr that w- it's just like oh, I'm, I'm sure descriptions of female characters There's a Twitter. by men. Yes. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's okay. called like J- yeah. like Jane Doe or something. It's like 
And, like, every tweet is... Well, here's the thing. Like, even women and, you know, because I've read some books that would be considered chiclet. I don't prefer to use right. that term because, as we mentioned earlier, I think that's very, like, derogatory. Um, but I don't know. I'm thinking about books like... Okay, so I've read something borrowed, for instance, and one of the things I've I noticed, read that also. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I noticed in that book is that the narrator is very obsessed with describing other women's bodies. So it's really interesting how even like female authors um, often objectify women, and not even like not just in a sexual way, but just like um, valuing women based on like what their bodies look like. Um, yeah, and. There was totally a moment where towards the beginning when she's going to answer the door when Dean arrives and she like looks over at the mantle and I thought, here's the moment where she's going to look in the mirror and it's going to describe what she looks like because she's looking at herself in the mirror, which is like the ultimate like way in, especially I find in commercial fiction that we get a character description, like a, a physical appearance, but she looks over at the mantle and instead she sees like a turned down wedding photo and she like picks it up and puts it back up and we don't hear anything Mm -hmm. about what she looks like. And I was like, that was like the first moment that this book kind of surprised me and like did something that I wasn't expecting. And there were a lot of other small moments like that too, where one specifically was when she sees him outside throwing pine cones at the fence and she's like, she basically like sees him coming inside and she runs down the stairs to try and like look like she was already hanging out in the kitchen <laughs> just being casual and like i just loved like the little moments of kind of awkward yeah. realism of when you have a crush on someone and you're trying to seem cool or you know like how does someone act who like doesn't care act i forgot you know like right <laughs> exactly. And I just love that because I feel like a lot of times when I've read romances, it'll be like, like, oh, we just happened to like bump into each other at this place. And it's like, no, I planned to be here because I knew you were coming, <laughs> <laughs> like, which is a lot more often how it is. So, yeah. Are you doing ratings? Well, I guess we're going to do ratings. Who wants to go first? Oh, well, I give it five stars. All right. Woo. I love this book. I also gave it five stars. Wow. Uh, I really enjoyed it for all the reasons. A rare five star. For all the reasons we have mentioned. And it's just so different from a lot of other books I've read recently. So I had to give it five stars. It's also like written super well and is so easy to read, but still really great, I think. Yeah, like Susan says, you don't notice the way that it's being written, <laughs> which yeah. is always good. Yeah, and often we do notice yeah. the way things are written. Actually, usually. Or what, <laughs> we can often see too clearly what the author is, like, trying to do. Um, yeah, so I earlier, like, halfway through this, I was thinking I was probably going to land on a three, but I'm going to give it a four. Woo! Very it good. It kind of, like, grew on me after I got past the my own hang-ups <laughs> yeah. i had to work on myself totally. too you know like <laughs> <laughs> we all have some improving to do i also um am giving it a four uh i really liked it for me four is like very high because i am a very i'm yes. a solidly three type of girl yeah um <laughs> so 
yeah, I am. I'm really happy that that we read this. And I didn't give my rating yet, Kelly. Uh oh. I'm just. I'm excited. <laughs> rating. Oh, I thought you were wrapping up, and I was like, excuse no. me. <laughs> Who's Emily? All right, go um, ahead. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I liked it. Wait, I feel like you were gonna <laughs> say something else. I don't. I wasn't really. I was just. You know. Sometimes I just start talking and I can't stop. <laughs> um, I don't know if you noticed hey. that. Well, I feel. I feel bad because I'm giving it a, a three. <gasps> but let me just say, this isn't the type of book that I would normally right. read. Um, so th- I know that that's more of a personal thing. I think that technically speaking, it's a well-written book. As far as books of the genre go, it's better than other books that I've read. I've actually read two. If you count this one, I've read two romance novels this summer. Um, and that's not normally the genre that I gravitate towards. Um, just because like, I don't know. I just, I think for me, I want, like, it's okay if there's romance in a book, but that's not, like, what I'm reading right. for. Um, and I think, obviously, there were other things going on in this book, as I mentioned earlier, but the romance was, like, the central thing. And so, for me, it was hard to cling to that. But I know that that's just me. And so, like, the three for me is, like, this is good. It's just not mm-hmm. for me. That's kind of how I rate it. But that's I'm, fair. I'm sorry to be that person. I feel like to end us on a downer. I really like talking about it with you guys, though. (laughs) Yes, it like it did change some of this for me. I think being able to like just work through it. (laughs) I love talking about books, you guys. Y'all, Grady Hendrix just tweeted that he just turned in his latest novel. Oh boy, that's more my jam. Uh (laughs) So we'll be talking about that. I like scary stuff. It's kind of my thing. I will, yeah. If there had been a ghost haunting this house, if his or if her abusive husband had been haunting this house, I would have been all in. Wow. Well, well, there can't always be a ghost. Not a lot of horror elements, I will admit. Says you. In Evie Drake's Says you. Over. There can't always be a ghost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, also, um, we often talk about audio books and how they work <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, this is a really great audio It was book. a very good audio book. I listened to it. Uh, uh, I listened to it on audio as nice. well. And I oh, cool. It. Yeah. She she was really good. Yeah. Um, even her man voices. I was going to say, I don't like, Kelly cool. would have liked the man voices because I was actually listening to the, to it and thinking, like, I know how Kelly doesn't like it when women do man voices. But they weren't, like, it didn't sound like this is a woman and, trying right. to do and a man And I don't like it when voice. men do like, women we, voices either. I don't know. Like, I thought right. she had, like, a distinctive voice for everyone, but it wasn't, like, trying too hard i thought she was a really good performer i don't know kelly i don't think you would like it i'm just i'm just talking i mean i enjoyed it <laughs> but i don't think kelly would like it i think she'd think it's too man voicey it's one of the best audiobooks like just performance wise that i've heard in a while i think so i don't think kelly likes audiobooks though i'm honestly. very picky we are coming off a real bad one I, though, too. it depends i <laughs> the mars room was not a good audio <laughs> oh well i didn't even listen to that uh, one Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, Mars M- room. the MFA voice. That was bad. Rough. Yeah. MFA, she's back. There's a podcast called Hey YA. YA. That you should check out. 
Uh, hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by none other than Book Riot, North America's largest independent book website. YA experts and enthusiasts Kelly Jensen and Eric Smith host the show, which delves into YA trends, adaptations, news, and boatloads of young adult book recommendations of all kinds. Each episode is guaranteed to amp up your TBR list and leave you feeling excited about the wide and wonderful world of young adult books. Listen to Hey YA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. I Every time I have listened to Hey YA, which I'm terrible at listening to podcasts, so I'm not, you know, I haven't listened to ep- every episode, but every time I have listened to it, I have come away with many books scrawled on a piece of paper to add to my list. Yeah, it's dangerous. Uh, but it's it's really great, and if you are even marginally interested in YA Lit, it is a great podcast to check out. It's true. Yay! Yeah, it's true. So we have some listener feedback. Yay. Our first piece of feedback is actually about this book, which may be the first time this has ever happened, because we don't usually get feedback uh, before yeah. the episode. Yeah, but... Um, our good friend Darcy, our new friend Darcy, who we don't know where she is from. Darcy, please let us know where you're writing from so that next time we can be sure to shout out your hometown. Darcy says, ladies, thank you for a fun read. I laughed and then I cried. My husband showed me the love of baseball and now I'm a Cubs fan. We had great conversation about pictures after reading this book. Love you all. We love you too. I love when books spark a conversation about related things and let you uh, have new types of conversations with people. Totally. It's just very special. Warms my heart. Yeah. And we hope your husband is as hot as Dean. Yeah. Sounds. I'm sure he is. <laughs> Not to be I also weird. cried during this book. I forgot to mention. Which I cry during every book. <laughs> yeah. doesn't bad. always happen to me, but like often happens and it yeah. did happen. Did not cry during the Mars room though. Nope. Liberty, have you read The Mars Room? I have not. Okay, then you won't mind that we we did not like it very much. Not a lot of people did. I, I know. I feel relieved to hear that, honestly, because I... We kind of hated a little bit. felt like something was wrong with me. We were haters. For not liking it. I really it. wanted to like it. I mean, I picked it, so I really, really wanted to like it. It sounded great, yeah. in theory. You're always rooting for a book you pick. Yeah, you know? yeah we always want to like it. Yeah. But it just doesn't always happen, and at least we stay honest. But here is some feedback. Um, yes. For the Mars Room. Yeah, so, so Mary Ryan from Hattiesburg, Mississippi also did not like it. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Mary Ryan had to say. What kind of seedy underbelly porn was that? It pulled all the expected punches. <laughs> Tough but vulnerable dancer protagonist with a mysterious, elegant name poses literally everything in the wake of one complicated rash decision. She discusses the tedium and cruelty of prison. prison Prism, y'all. Prison, <laughs> Prism at length. Wax is poetic in the most MFA ways. MFA. See MFA? every paragraph, but especially the last lines. That being said, that being said, <laughs> I devoured it in 48 hours. <laughs> this is a trashy beach read for MFA grads who think they're above trashy beach reads. I think like that last sentence, Mary Ryan, is like the most accurate description of this book that I've read. That's great. Thank you, Mary Ryan. Thank you for writing in. What'd you say? I said thank you, Mary Ryan. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Mary Ryan. <laughs> um, 
And then finally, we have some feedback from Ellis, which we promised to read this time since she sent us double feedback last time. This is on a book we did a couple episodes ago, Fruit of the Drunken Tree. Ellis from Portland says, Hi squad, Ellis here with more listener feedback. I found Fruit of the Drunken Tree to be beautifully written but not very satisfying. I've experienced childhood trauma, so I appreciated the book's accuracy dealing with the subject. Chula disassociating, fixating on unimportant details like the cows and having panic attacks. I did find the end of the novel to be a huge bummer. I personally like to like to present narratives about trauma with a positive ending, focusing on the resilience of survivors and what they're able to overcome. Maybe that is not how Ingrid Rojas Contreras feels, and I want to respect her truth. But when I read that it was based on some of her childhood experiences, I looked at her picture on the jacket and thought about, sorry, thought about how she had gone on to write a successful novel. I wanted to hear that part of the story where she overcame her traumatic experiences. The book just leaves you in this sad, everything is broken kind of place with both Jula and Petrona. It made me feel like, what's the point of this book of life? Ouch. (laughs) I respect the author enough to think that maybe that was her intent, and it is better than many books I've read recently, so I gave it four out of five stars on Goodreads. Oh, Ellis. I mean, that's a valid criticism. Well, I'm glad that you sort of liked it. (laughs) That's a great, like, this book made me wonder what the meaning of life, what was the point of life. It's pretty rough. (laughs) Which I think is a compliment, honestly. Thanks, yeah, there have been some books we've read where it's really just been like, what is the point? <laughs> yeah. But we always so. love hearing from you, Not Alice. of life, but of this book. Yeah. Yes. I <laughs> I appreciate that perspective, um, like a uh, personal experience and what you're bringing to the book. Thanks for writing that, Ellis. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for always writing us and for reading along yeah. with us. We, we love, you. love you. We do. Also, Liberty, yes. thanks for hanging in there and just listening to us uh, talk Read. forever yeah. and ever. Look, if you've got things to say about any of this stuff, feel free to jump of in. Of course. Please interject. you got a lot of feelings about High School Musical. We wrote a blog post about it. Yes. Todd did. Um, Todd. <laughs> yeah. Or did you read Fruit of the Drunken Tree? I did. What did you think? I think she's... I think it is incredibly depressing. I think that life is pretty depressing in itself, though, so I yeah. dig that kind of stuff. That's fair. Yeah. I dig <laughs> I think unhappy endings are way more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Sadly. Uh, what else is on the blog? Uh, I will just say a tad do, more please, on the high school musical do. post. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, after I read this post, Todd, I went and, you know, pumped out the high school musical jams for a bit, so... It's very inspiring. Yeah, it is a post of epic proportions, uh, and I loved it. Yeah. Because Todd is about to turn 30, my theory is he's having some thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. And so he has ranked the high school musical song, every song that's ever been in high school musical, in ascending order in terms of what songs will be most useful to the characters of High School Musical as they enter their 30s. That's like my favorite concept ever for a blog post. (laughs) It's it's really great, and it's very funny. And he put 
a lot of hard work into it and really yeah. thought and about it. And I like it, that it's, so. it starts out... I suggest cranking the playlist as you... Yeah, it starts read. out very funny and then becomes increasingly sincere. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. I will say that I advocated he put Scream higher up on <laughs> yeah, the list. Yeah, Scream... Scream I was like, look, sometimes you gotta scream. You know, any song where Zac Efron is yeah. really just, like, working out his issues on his own and dancing... It's a good song. Yes, I agree. And there were basketballs so everywhere. That is, that is I mean, on there. Good moment. What recaps do we have happening? Let me tell well, you about the recaps. We got Are You The One recaps. You might not know that they're happening, but they're happening. <laughs> they are happening. And, you know, we've got our first gender fluid season ever of Are You The One. First gender fluid dating show in America I don't know about in the world, but definitely in America. So this is history in the making. So if you are not reading my recaps, you are missing out on history. Just letting you know that. I am reading and I am watching. Yeah. Mary, I'm so well. proud of you. It's, yeah. very good. it's very good. So I haven't read the recaps Reviews yet. all around have been great so far of this season. So it's not just me. I know I'm like the are you the one evangelist. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. it's really it's a really good show. Um, also, we have Bachelorette recaps. They're, Bachelorette is a little less progressive. Just a little. <laughs> oh. And by a little, I it's mean a, a lot. View. But we're still here. We're still we recapping. We're still here. It. We're almost at the end of the season. Um, um, you might know that Susan and I are doing it, you know, fantasy style competition. <laughs> that sounded um, really... Fantasy draft we're so, doing it fantasy brag, style. But uh, I we're am... We're just fantasizing about it. Yeah. yeah we're just, not to brag, I am kicking your ass right now. The, uh, no shit, dude. My team sucks. Yeah, and it's yeah. my fault. Let's just get that out no, there. No, Kelly, I told you, I would have picked the same people. I'm horrible at this. I, I, really, I lost badly last season, too. Anyway, but because this season has like left a little to be desired for me, I have also written a blog post about my top five favorite bachelorettes. In Bachelorette history, Hannah's not on the list, although I do like her as a person. I just think this season is kind of messy. Messy. And not in a cute way. Well. And problematic. Yeah. Uh, um, but go read about some other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, YA Book Club is back. YA Book Club is finally back. After many months of promising. <laughs> Promises and disappointments. And I read Saw Kill Girls. Liberty, you've read Saw Kill Girls, right? Yeah. And yes! You guys keep talking about stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I have read <laughs> Saw Kill Girls. I've never seen a reality yeah. show. I don't, I've not seen High School Musical, but Saw Kill Girls is... <laughs> you're back awesome. in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We read Saw Kill Girls and wrote about it in our chat style blog. Uh, next month we are going to read, or this month. What month? I don't know. Is it? Anyway. The next book is going to be The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. Yes. Have you read that Which one? Both Liberty? of us have That's had a great one forever. Too. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. So we're back in the swing of it. We took a little break. We were having a hard time picking the right book to jump back in. I think Sock Hill Girls was an awesome choice. It's got yes. demons. You can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with demons. It had an appropriate number of ghosts for him. <laughs> yes. How many? 
You know, I need ghosts and or demons I or mean, monsters or something. There weren't really ghosts, but there were lots of supernatural. Yeah, I like that supernatural. Hijinks. That dark supernatural stuff is my jam. Speaking of dark supernatural stuff. Yeah. Well, is Midsummer supernatural? Um, I mean, speaking of dark and messed Speaking up, of dark stuff. Speaking of horror. We wrote a blog about Midsummer, Featuring Mary Kay from Everything Trying Everything to Kill Trying You. Everything Trying to Kill yes. You. So the... And Mary Kay also writes for Book Riot. We've got a whole Book Riot family Book thing. Book Riot crew. Here. The post yeah. was me, Mary, Emily, and Mary Kay. Sadly, Susan mm-hmm. could not join us. Nor could Liberty. Where were you, Liberty? What? On <laughs> <laughs> on the Midsummer post? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. Yeah, I I'll watch it if it comes on TV, but I don't leave the house, so <laughs> I'm not seeing it anytime soon. It's a lot to handle in theaters. <laughs> yeah, it is a it was a lot. It was overwhelming. So, we had a lot to talk through. A lot of um, a lot of therapy was needed after that. And finally, I have written a blog post about the latest season of Stranger Things. Great. Okay, what's next on the podcast? Our next other episode will be The Lion King. Starring my boo, Donald Glover. Yes. Um, Beautiful. And then, <laughs> what's our next book episode, Emily? Let me tell you, um, I'm very excited about this because I've been wanting to have a book episode about this for a while, but I only get to pick books every four times. I don't get to pick all the books, so i got to wait a little while. <laughs> And Emily has her books planned out through 2023. Yeah, basically. So we're going to be reading Circe by Madeline Miller. Liberty, have you read Circe? Love it. Interviewed her last year on stage. She's amazing. She's the nicest. I'm very excited. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about this book. Um, I've been waiting to read. Like, I've had my copy of it just eagerly waiting. I know. I know. If only I didn't plan so far in advance, we could have read it a while ago. Um, This is my bad. Um, well, I'm yeah. pumped to read it. Um, if you have any feedback about this episode, future episodes, past episodes, uh, episodes on another plane of existence, please email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com or you can contact us on social media. We are at booksquadgoals on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, it would be great if you wanted to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you want to do that. Uh, We would, like, love that. You know, I've begged a lot, but I'm just coming at you real from the heart. We would love it. Uh, Liberty, where can people find you on the internet? I spend all my time on Instagram now. It's Franzen Comes Alive. Nice. Um, like Frampton comes alive because books rock, not because I love Jonathan Frampton. <laughs> I'm sure, it, I'm sure he's lovely, but that's not the reason. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and talking about this book. You have been great. You're welcome. Yes, Thanks for thank asking you. me. I love this book. Yay! Thank you so much. Yay. Sorry, I had to be the weirdo that gave it a bad rating. Not bad. No. Three is, look, three is not bad. Three stars is a good rating. Three is still good. Three is still yeah. approved and would recommend. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Hooray. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, everybody.